0: you're listening to Sending the Experts with Georgina Durrant. This podcast is all about teaching and supporting children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. My name is Georgina Durrant, I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by Twinkle SEND. As a former teacher in Senko myself, I wanted to create a platform to share some of the amazing things that my guests are doing to support learners of SEND. So whether you're listening on your commute, tuning in while walking your dog, or curled up on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee, thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, I am delighted to be joined by Louisa Reeves. She is Director of Policy and Evidence at Speech and Language UK, formerly ICANN. Louisa is a speech and language therapist with 30 years' experience of working to support children and young people with speech and language challenges. She has been involved in a number of large-scale projects, developing and evaluating tools and programs for early year settings and schools, and is responsible for the evaluation of the outcomes and impact of all the charity's projects and development work. She also leads on Speech and Language UK's policy work, including developing and implementing the charity's strategies to influence key decision-makers and our public affairs work. She has done a variety of media work, including live interviews and broadcasts. Hi, Louisa, how are you? Hello, Georgina. <laughs> very excited to see you. <laughs> and for those who are tuning into YouTube, you'll notice Louisa's absolutely brilliant um, branded background as well, <laughs> which looks great. Um, so, <laughs> tell me about Speech and Language UK and what support it offers. Then give us a brief overview. Um, yeah, so um, we're
1: really, really proud of our our new brand. We've we've just been through a big rebrand because um, although for many, many years um, we uh, had the name of I Can uh, as a charity, we felt that actually it didn't really mean very much to people and it didn't say what we did. Yeah. Um, so Speech and Language UK absolutely says what we do, and uh, yes. so we exist to support um, children and young people who are struggling. With their talking and understanding words. And um, that ranges from um, children who might have kind of short term challenges to uh, those who will have lifelong speech language challenges. Um, and we do that in a number of different ways. We make tools and training for schools and early years practitioners. Um, we uh, have two um, special schools that we run ourselves oh, who wow. support children young people with very complex needs um we do a lot of work in partnership with other other organisations, and um, you mentioned the policy work that I lead on. So we we do a lot of um, pushing for parliamentarians to kind of change practice and um, yeah. and to really make sure that everybody understands what speech and language challenges are. So wow. great opportunity to talk to you today about it.
0: Oh Thank wow, you. that's absolutely fantastic, and I do agree. Just it is a more googlable um, name for your for your fantastic. charity. <laughs> when you type in speech and language charity, obviously it will come up now. Whereas yes. yes. Just out of interest, what did I can actually stand for originally then?
1: Well, uh, the charity was um, established actually by um, by the Victorians in in, oh, about wow. 18, in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. So wow. it did stand originally for Invalid Children's Aid nationwide, oh, um, which now feels. You know, very, yeah. very out, outdated, but but yeah. was then set up to support you know very vulnerable children. Yeah, and and we've kept that kind of ethos going over the hundred and whatever years. Wow. since
0: but I didn't realise was... you know yes. no longer reflected.
1: No. um Kind of the the children and young
0: people that we support yeah gosh i, I had no idea your charity had such a historic background think very very deep roots in in the charity sector
1: yes and then in the last sort of probably 50 60 years we've really um focused on supporting children with speech and language challenges
0: yeah wow so what's your background then louisa why what, what led you to work for speech and language uk um it's a
1: very good question uh so I'm trained (laughs) as a speech and language therapist I'm still um fully qualified and registered speech and language therapist and I started my career in the NHS
0: um,
1: working with with children and with adults actually but um recognized that although I could support the individual children that I saw there was a huge need out there um for children who were struggling with talking and, and with understanding words Um, and some of those children didn't need the specialist support of a speech and language therapist um, and could be supported in other ways and and there was just a general lack of awareness amongst parents and teachers particularly um, of the challenges that children face and and how they could be helped and so I saw an opportunity working for what was then ICANN to kind of spread my expertise and knowledge um, more broadly um, and, um, yeah, so so have had a number of different roles in the charity, really um, primarily around just making people more aware of mm. the issues that children face, but also what the solutions are. Um, So at Speech and Language UK, we've got a number of solutions that we can train TAs to deliver. Um, We have uh, training available for early years, practitioners and for teachers at primary and at secondary um, so that they can kind of, you know, use some of the expertise that speech and languages therapists build up to, to develop, you know, what they do.
0: That is such a a good point, because often you feel like it is the speech and language therapist's job and you don't want to encroach on it. But actually, there's a lot you can do in the classroom already, isn't there, that could be helping with communication and speech and language. There are small tweaks that you don't necessarily have to have had the full training of being a speech and language therapist to carry out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, speech,
0: language, and
1: communication is is kind of everybody's business, really. Yeah. So
0: everybody has. We all talk.
1: Um, those of us who work in the education profession can, you know, talk quite well. And <laughs> so everybody's got skills to help. Um, they just sometimes need that knowledge and and sometimes a bit of confidence. Yeah, I would say um, it's confidence know, all at the time. Yeah, the the right way to go. But but the other thing I think, Georgina, which is really important to notice, you know, our own research shows that there are there are about 1.7 million children at the moment who teachers are concerned about in terms of their talking and their understanding and and speech and language therapists are quite a small profession
0: there's no way
1: we're going to be able to support all those children Um, and lots of them won't need that very specialist support but there are a few children who really really do Um, and that's a kind of precious resource my colleagues who who work In the NHS now and, and, you know, in the education sector, Mm. there aren't very many of them, but for some children, they're absolutely vital. So we really want to make sure in Speech and Language UK that that we support lots of children where we can
0: so that that scarce resource
1: can be for the few children that really, really need it.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. And also you don't want the children... That could benefit from support in the classroom to be waiting for a speech and language therapy appointment when there's things that could be happening and could help. Because if you're waiting, these things don't tend to, you know, they, yeah, they can improve them by support early on we know that early identification and support is the way forward so yeah Absolutely. yeah yes so this is a huge topic to cover in one podcast um but can you summarize for me what speech language communication needs are and how common it is and am I correct that in a class of 30 you'd expect probably two or three children to have some sort of lifelong speech language communication needs which is shocking
1: it is yes, and and I think that points to what we've already talked about the the, the really big numbers of children who struggle, um, yeah, and the fact that that that's often not recognised. It's not the first thing that teachers look for, um, and yeah. so yes, the the, the roughly ten percent of children are likely to have long term speech, language, and communication needs, and that's reinforced by um, quite a number of of research uh, pieces of research. But in some areas of the country, it's actually much bigger than that. So. Yeah we um, know from uh, research but also from the results of the early years foundation stage um, measures that actually up to half of children can start school in some areas of the country behind where they need to be yeah. um, in terms of communication and language so um, it's quite a significant issue yeah um, speech language and communication it's a plunky term isn't it it's it's um, it's what we call an umbrella term so it it covers a number of different challenges that children can have and one of the things that's always interested me in 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 many years of working with with these children is that um, that as adults we struggle to understand exactly what the issue is Um, and I think that's because we all talk and we forget how how we learn to talk because yes. it has, you know, so yeah, many You can't remember ago. how you
0: did it, can you? Can't remember
1: how you did it. And and we don't often sort of think about how we do it. We, you know, we think we, we want to say something, we open our mouths, the words come out. Um, so speech, language and communication are, are three different aspects of, yes. of how we communicate with each other. Um, speech is really all about the sounds in the words. Um, so, um, and those are language specific, so yep. as English speakers we, um, all babies are born, you know, babbling all the different possible sounds, gradually that babble changes towards the sounds they hear around them, so if you're mm-hmm. an English uh, born into an english-speaking family you hear english sounds if you're if you're born into a, a, a multilingual or bilingual family you hear lots of more sounds so you have a bigger range yeah. um, but children if, if you think back to your um you know baby's development they, they start to babble then they start first words sometimes those first words don't sound quite right yeah and um, so my middle child is called James, and um, his big sister couldn't do just sounds, yes. and so he's called James. Um, <laughs> that, that's how. So, so those sounds are acquired gradually over time. And um, by the time children are around four, they've got most speech sounds in English, um, yeah. but sounds like r and l and y can take a little bit longer. So you often get children around that age will talk about lello instead of yellow so there's a little bit of a a mix there so those are speech sounds um Mm -hmm. some children can have a real problem with developing those speech sounds so they get a little bit um stuck in that stage where um perhaps those uh those more um fluid sounds like the j and the l and the r don't quite come some children um just a little bit late to develop those sounds some children can have really quite a significant difficulty and um, mm-hmm. so there is something called severe speech sound disorder yeah. um, which uh, means that children are really hard to understand yeah. um, and so obviously that brings a lot of frustrations but also makes it really hard for them to to interact with their peer group
0: yeah and so that speech
1: sounds in a nutshell it's 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 a bigger topic but yeah 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 a summary. A
0: <laughs>
1: so if I then move on to language so yeah. um when we talk about language we're, we're really thinking about the way in which we structure a sentence so yeah. in English we tend to have sort of subject verb object uh rule Um, Mm -hmm. and um, so how we put words together into a sentence helps us to do things like describe things because we can put in some describing words and we can talk about things that have happened in the past and things that are going to happen in the future and we change the tense we change the word ending to do that so so language is all about how we understand and decode what what sentences we're hearing and how we can convey our own meaning by putting words together into sentences yeah, so that's so, so a, a lot
0: going on with that as well isn't it? there's a, there's a, a lot more amount, you could go into huge yeah, amount in on and, then, and you you can begin
1: to see as te- as a teacher how that then impacts on things like whether you can write a story or whether you can read and understand yeah. what you've read because you need to have that sentence structure in place to do that
0: yeah and I suppose if it's, if it's impacting on their understanding of language rather than their expression of language that might be harder for a teacher to notice because it's easier to notice if you can't hear them speaking properly but if you can't if you it's hard to notice if somebody hadn't understood you because they could just be quiet then you wouldn't necessarily know they haven't taken that information in.
1: Absolutely absolutely and and quite often that's the bit that that flies under the radar for yeah. a long time so in early years settings particularly um a lot of the learning is very experiential so children are doing activities there in groups they can get by by watching what everyone else is doing and as you move into more formal schooling um you might still do that group work so you can get by by kind of you know looking at what everyone else is doing and going along with it but that starts to fall down over time and sometimes that can look like naughtiness
0: yeah so children who
1: who haven't under who do the wrong thing because they've followed the wrong person or they haven't quite understood what the teacher yeah. said or it's, it's too long a sentence for them to hold all those different elements so you know blue group go and find your books and come down and sit over here in the corner yeah you might get the fact that you're in blue group and you get your book but then you've wandered off somewhere else so you know so it, that can be naughty um some of those little meanings in a sentence like the and of don't walk in the corridor if you don't hear that and, oh then gosh. you're not necessarily going to understand that that's a don't do it yeah. as opposed to a do do it um so and that should be don't run in the corridor shouldn't it but, but <laughs> of so you're starting to then see where where things can go wrong for children yeah. um but it's quite hard sometimes for teachers to spot why that is yeah. uh, and that is one of the reasons why we tend to split up speech and language and communication to try and pin down what it is that's going wrong so the third aspect of that is communication and that's a a much broader term which is really all about the fact that you and I are are sitting here because we want to communicate with each other so you've got some questions I've got some information we're having an exchange Um, we know the rules of that exchange so I listen to you I stop you know yeah i speak we can take it in turns it's always a little bit more awkward on a screen than it is face <laughs> that's true but we understand those sort of unwritten rules of how mm-hmm. we communicate that it's a, a an exchange between two people or a group of people there are rules around how we listen how we um, share the same topic of conversation so all of those rules around communication and some of the children that that we see in school will will struggle with that so their speech sounds may be fine they may speak in very grammatical sentences but actually their interaction with other people is what they're challenged by wow. um, and
0: that's that's that third area i suppose so that makes children... friendship sorry I I, i'm i'm not following um, the, the rules there by interrupting you but i was just going to say i imagine that's why children struggle like with friendships as well and like social skills if if they don't if, if suppose not necessarily when they're really little because children get it wrong when they're little and they interrupt like i just did then <laughs> But as they get older, that it becomes more formal, doesn't it? The speech and the conversations and how you interact. And if you're not picking up on cues and, and realising how to interact with somebody else in a conversation, it might affect your social skills and your friendships.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely true. And and there's actually a, a, a film which Speech Language UK brought out more recently about um, a little girl called Darcy who has developmental language disorder, which I think, you know, we might get on yes, to, to definitely. Time. Um. But But one of the... One of the little clips in that film really brilliantly illustrates that, that actually yeah. the rules, if, if you look at children, you know, playing in the playground, the, the rules are quite complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, even a game of football or a game of tag, you know, you've got to understand um, how to behave, how to join in. And, and they're quite subtle. Yeah. Um, and sometimes if you have a communication difficulty, those subtleties um escape you and so you can do the wrong thing you can get into trouble forming friendships maintaining friendships is hard um, and yeah. explaining what's happened so there can be an incident in the playground you know the children who are really good at explaining it will kind of you know yeah. get their word in first but other children who might struggle a little bit oh, with that gosh. might end, you know end up of carrying the blame for that and not be able to explain it
0: yeah and then the frustration is going to add to any behavior problems as well isn't it because you're going to feel frustrated that child if your community it's not fair you're not able to get your point across and other people are and yeah oh gosh that must be really hard for kids Mm. if we talk then because that leads us quite nicely into developmental language disorder because this when I've been researching this it's 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 huge and it's surprising that we don't know much about it um in general when there's so, many, so is this right 7.6 percent of the population affected something like that I've got it my is something right. like that
1: yes yes and and it is you know it's probably the most common disorder that you've never heard of yeah uh, uh, and we work very hard in in, in speech in the UK but also there are a number of other organizations who really kind of work to raise awareness but it, yeah. it is I think um you know part of this um uh lack of focus that we have in the education system on spoken language and communication yeah um, you know we get very fixed on reading and writing and maths but we yeah. kind of forget that some children don't start um, school with the with the spoken language skills they need to be able to access those skills. Yeah. Um and so quite often I think children get misdiagnosed or just missed altogether. Yeah. Um so yes, developmental language disorder, um great that you, you can, you know research it now find out more about it but it but it is yes it's much more common than lots of other difficulties that children have
0: yeah one definitely for people to look up and it's and the acronym is dld isn't it a lot of the time it's when i've been looking it's dld that it's
1: dld yes and and there's a lot of information out there speech language uk um worked with whole school send to produce quite a lot of training and materials brilliant uh, which is hosted on our website so yeah um, you know, teacher colleagues who are interested in having a look, you know, do go onto our website and um, and look on the DLD pages that there are some short webinars you can access. There's a sort of guide um, that you can download um, with lots of sort of really practical strategies and advice.
0: Yeah, which is what, what we need, isn't it? So yes. what else can impact on a child's speech-language communication then? Presumably the pandemic has impacted it. I know there's been a lot of talk of, sort of earlier settings, in particular reception, noticing these changes um, in the cohorts coming in with their speech-language communication needs. Is that what you're seeing? The pandemic yes, absolutely,
1: it. I, I think it's grown in, incre- you know, absolutely astronomically um, under COVID, and there've been a number of different reasons for that. Families yep. found themselves very isolated. Um, there were very few opportunities for for babies and and toddlers and young children to kind of go out and about. Yeah. And, and and you know, language and and uh, speech and language are are not skills that just happen. You know, mm-hmm. so so most babies babies will you know learn to walk as they become toddlers um and it might take some a bit longer but they'll all, all they'll all get there um yep. but actually learning to talk is something which is an interactive skill so right. you need to hear talk around you you need to have um, people who talk to you and with you you need to have lots of experiences to talk about yeah and um, so those children that you know have the opportunity to, to perhaps go out and about or or had you know parents and siblings at home actually did quite well in terms of their talking and understanding of words yeah. in lockdown because they had lots of stimulation you know those families that were more isolated perhaps on their own and not able to get out yeah and um, you know, we've really seen an impact on them um so so young children as you say early years uh, nursery settings are finding that they are concerned about children's communication and language but also around their sort of personal social and emotional development. Which of course relies on language. Yeah. So actually those two things are, are very um closely associated. Um and the other thing I think that that in some areas they have picked up on is is the sort of physical. Um, skills as well sort of motor yeah. coordination um, has been affected um, yeah. but I think for for speech and language we've seen that kind of across the age range so we know that lots of adolescents felt very isolated um, mm-hmm. in lockdown and they missed that opportunity to sort of peer group interaction yeah. um, and that's a way that you kind of hone your your language skills and and um you know teenagers quite often have their own sort of language their own set of words and and that you know the to and fro that you have with that they miss that opportunity as well yeah. and so we've seen an impact across the age range
0: that's really interesting so not just the youngest children it's going to have an impact on everyone in, in fact wow so How are teachers going to notice then if children in their classroom have speech language communication needs? What again this could we could talk for hours on this but briefly what sort of things are they looking for?
1: Well very basically Georgina what I would say is that if you have a child in your classroom who is struggling and you're not sure why I would always think about speech and language first. Yeah. So you know what is underpinning whatever difficulty it is so if it's a behavior difficulty if it's an emotional difficulty if it's a specific difficulty around an aspect of the curriculum I would encourage teachers to always think actually is this might this be something to do with with a speech and language challenge um yeah. you know is it that actually they're not really understanding what I'm asking them to do are they struggling to express themselves? Um, yeah. You know, are they when I introduce new vocabulary, for example, are they quite slow to pick that up? Do they often get the wrong end of the stick? Um, yeah. You know, when I ask them to do something, do they do a bit of it, but but then seem to sort of, you know, drift off? All of those sorts of things. Yeah, so
0: sort of always having it in your mind as a possibility that that could be the reason behind anything really in behavior and yes. yeah lack of understanding and all of that sort of stuff yeah um, and then if they do think they've got a child who's got speech language communication needs what what do they do what's the process because well, I, I presume people know but not everybody does and it's hard isn't it if you are thinking if you're a teacher listening right now and you're thinking actually I don't know it's embarrassing to ask sometimes isn't it because you feel like you should know so what should they do?
1: Well I mean the first thing is don't feel embarrassed teacher yeah. training doesn't cover this nope. <laughs> um, and um, in our recent survey we found that about half of teachers who are newly qualified felt that they didn't have adequate preparation in terms of knowing about speech and language yeah. so if you think oh gosh I don't know about that that's not a surprise um yeah. you know we don't know what we we've not had the opportunity to learn about yeah yeah um we do have a couple of well, there are lots of resources on the speech and language uk website but we've got a couple of tools that that are immediately useful for for spotting if you're not sure so there's something called the, the uh, progress checker which is just an online um kind of yes no answers um it, it goes from about naught to about 18 i think on there so whatever age uh, child or young person you teach you can go on there and do a quick spot check um, we also have a resource called University Speaking, which you can download um, and there are sort of different ages for the different um, key stages uh, there. Um, we have some other tools that are more in depth that you can actually um, purchase and, and use. But, but it, it, you know, something to get your eye in is the main thing. Yes. Um we've got some posters which are really useful to have in your staff room just to to you know these are the key areas yeah, to look just at.
0: keep it on people's minds as well like you say yeah, just have that in the, it back at of the head.
1: forefront of your mm. mind and i think quite often what happens in areas where um, speech and language challenges are quite common and children tend to be really quite behind where they need to be with their talking and understanding words your eye goes out quite quickly so you lose sight of where children need to be for yeah. their learning and um, so having something like a poster up in the staff room that you kind of go back to from time to time is is very useful um we've got some online training which is free to access um Brilliant. so you know if you've got a, a spot of cpd um time that you yeah. want to uh, to to get some really practical ideas then then you know the those are the areas to go and look at.
0: Fantastic that's really really useful and that was my next question was all about links and where we can send people so um, best place then we're sending people over to the over to your website what's what's the address for your website just I'll put it in the show notes as well but just so people have got it.
1: Yeah so it's speechlanguage.org.uk um, and um it's uh as i say there are a wealth of resources on there for parents yeah um, but also for um educators as well so any sort of age and stage of child that you're working with um you can have a look on there i've mentioned that we've got some dld pages yeah um, and they um also signpost to kind of other areas um that you can get some really useful information and support um, about DLD specifically.
0: But actually any of
1: those strategies will work for for most children who have... Um, speech and language challenges in your classroom
0: fantastic oh well thanks ever so much you've been brilliant that's been really really useful and I apologize again that we can't cover it in more depth I know it's a huge well, topic
1: we can always I can always come back absolutely to
0: well yes please tell us listeners if you really enjoyed this and want to find out more tell us to get Louisa back on that would be good and then we can go perhaps in detail into one of these areas in more more detail into one of these areas is what I'm trying to say <laughs> which would be really really interesting So thank you ever so much that was a really, really useful. or a brilliant guest. And um, hopefully, even though it's such a huge topic area and we weren't able to cover everything, hopefully it gave you sort of a taster of some speech language communication needs information that was useful. So the relevant resources linked to this episode will be found in the show notes below. So do have a look at those. And links to Speech Language UK um, is also found below. Thanks again for listening to sending The Experts with me, Georgina Durrant. Please subscribe to our channel and spread the word that you're listening. Thank you.